You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Hoosier fans? It is Tuesday, August 31st. We are one day closer to the start of the college football season. This is obviously Locked On Hoosiers. I am your host, as always, Jacob Rude. Thank you guys for making Locked on Hoosiers part of your day. We have plenty to talk about today. IU released its first two-deep depth chart for the regular season. Some takeaways there that we are going to go over with a special guest, which I will introduce here in just a moment. We're five days a week here, free on all podcast platforms, talking about your Indiana Hoosiers. But if you're a college football fan, we've got you covered here on the Locked On Podcast Network Tune into your favorite Power 5 conference show on Thursday, September 26th, or Friday, September 27th. Search Locked On ACC, Big 10, Big 12, Pac-12, SEC, we got you covered on all of them, on the Odyssey app or wherever you guys get your podcasts. I have been on the Locked On Big 10 show a couple times to talk about the Hoosiers. Uh, Nate does a great job over there hosting that. As I said, we have plenty to talk about. It is an all-football podcast today, as most of these probably will be this week. We have a guest. We're joined today by Mike Miller, who we will throw to that interview here in a minute. He, former Bloomington Herald Times beat writer, Crimson Corey. Uh, He's been around the IU athletic programs for quite a while, so plenty to talk about with him. Before we do that, as always, you can subscribe to Locked on Hoosiers wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can follow me at Jacob Rude and the show at LO underscore Hoosiers. You can follow us on Instagram as well at Locked on Hoosiers. Appreciate all the support you guys have given us. And as promised, here is our interview with Mike. And now we are joined by the aforementioned uh, Herald, former Herald Times beat writer, uh, Crimson Corey, he's worked at as well. Read Mike Miller himself. Mike Miller, how you doing today, man? I am doing just fine, Jacob. It is a, is a pleasure to join you on the Locked On Podcast Network. I actually am a big fan of Locked On Podcasts. I, I listen to Locked On Orioles literally every morning when I'm getting ready. So it's, uh, it's nice to be part of the network. Yeah, we're excited. We just started it uh, this fall. Couldn't be a better time to do it because it is a ton of fun to be an IU football fan for once. It's a uh, it's a rare feeling. It's been weird, but it's a uh, it's been enjoyable so far. Uh, obviously, today the depth chart came out, so we're just kind of gonna go over some of the stuff that we noticed and um, things like that. Honestly, isn't a ton of difference between. The one they put out in Big Ten Media Day and this one. Uh, was there anything that really jumped off the page for you at all looking at this depth chart? No, you, you kind of touched on it right there. When, when I was comparing the two depth charts, you know, the, the one they released at Big Ten Media Day last month and then the one this morning, um, you know, the, the differences are very minor. I mean, the, the, there was really one one big position battle in camp this year, and that was at running back. And uh, really, over the last two weeks, all signs had been pointing to Stephen Carr after he had that uh, really, really uh, impressive showing in the first full contact scrimmage a couple weeks ago. I mean, ever since then, you know, all, all signals were, were showing that 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 was he, he was the leader at that position. So, you know, even that even that one position battle, you know, it see, it felt like we, we had an answer uh, even a few weeks ago. So um, as far as the actual depth chart itself, you know, nothing too much. And 
Um, you know, I mean, just with the, you know, the nature of college football today, there's, there's so much rotating, especially on the defensive line. So, um, you know, a, a lot of these guys are going to play and, and even on that defensive line where, you know, you, you see a guy like, like Jaron Handy, he's, he's in that second spot at bull. I mean, he's, he's still going to rotate in and play a ton. Michael Ziemba's in that third spot. He's still going to rotate in and play. Um, and so, um, you know, nothing too glaring jumps out at me today. Just seeing the initial depth chart, it's, uh, I'm, I'm just looking forward to the first game and just sort of seeing, you know, what what maybe some of the situational packages are that that some of these guys rotate in, rotate in and out of. Yeah, Jaron Handy was somebody that Coach Allen singled out after that second scrimmage and throughout fall camp. So, yeah, to see him in the number two, I kind of kind of goes to your point. We know he's going to play and he's going to get a lot of snaps. the The running back one was the first spot I looked at, though, as you said, as soon as Samson James entered the transfer portal. It was pretty much a foregone conclusion what had happened and that Stephen Carr had kind of won that battle. Uh, to me, the thing that that just jumps off is, especially defensively, how much depth there is on this team. Um, that's kind of looking back into um, early in Tom Allen's time. The I thought that was a big thing that often separated IU from the Ohio States, the Michigans at the time, schools like that. It's just the amount of depth those uh, programs had at every position. They were able to rotate guys through. That was something IU was working toward, and that is something, especially when we're going to talk a little bit more about the secondary, but that secondary has so much talent. Uh, To me, that was the biggest thing that really jumped off the page was just there's depth everywhere on this team, out wide as well, wide receiver. I mean, is that something you've noticed as well throughout looking at this and then really throughout fall camp. Yeah, no, I, you, you touched on receiver. I mean, that's a spot where you just, you look at all those spots. I mean, you go down, you, you look at the second string and in some cases, even the third string guys. I mean, I mean, Cameron Buckley is a guy who's played SEC football. I mean, he's a guy who knows how to play college football and he's, you know, he's not necessarily in those, you know, first or second slots, but you know, it's another guy who's probably going to play maybe situationally. Uh, yeah. You just really like the depth. I mean, it seems like all the positions, all the spots where, you need to have depth where you need to have guys, guys who are capable of playing Big Ten football. Um, they pretty much have guys at, at pretty much all those spots. Now, I think, you know, offensive line is interesting in that um, there are some really intriguing guys, both on that first unit and, you know, sort of in the depth, in the ranks there who are maybe still developing and, and making their way up. Um, you know, I think that's still a spot where you're not exactly sure what you have, you know, beyond your, your five, six, maybe seven guys. You know, I don't really think you have two real platoons at offensive line, and that's tough to do. There aren't a lot of teams that that honestly do outside of like the, the real top tier teams. But um, you know, elsewhere you look at all these other spots. That, again, the spots where you we really need to have depth throughout a year, uh, particularly you know that that middle level of the defense, you know the linebackers, and then certainly the secondary. Uh, you, there's there's a lot to like there, and also I mean, we've seen like you said over the years where you know, this program has just sort of been run down throughout games because they didn't have guys to get on the field. They didn't have guys that could rotate in at those really, really crucial, uh, particularly secondary spots. Uh, but now, yeah, I mean, it, it's just something that we haven't seen a level of depth with this program that we're seeing now in, in you know, decades, almost maybe even a generation, perhaps. Oh, yeah, certainly. I, I, I've said it a couple times when talking about this and that I keep using the term like the the most talented team ever stuff like that ever is the word I keep using. I don't, I don't know that it's true, but it's been so long that it's, there are very few people who could even debate that it's been so long for 
for IU to be this talented. It's 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 a fun time to be a Hoosier fan. The other thing uh, that we've talked a little bit about throughout the preseason, but the the transfers that this team has, especially this last season or this last offseason, uh, there are four different guys who are listed as first string uh, that were transfers. Ryder Anderson, the aforementioned Stephen Carr, um, on the offensive line, Zach Carpenter at center, and then out wide replacing uh, Wap Fillier is going to be DJ Matthews. What's just your thoughts on how they've approached bringing in not just this many transfers, but transfers that are this good that are going to step in and start right away? Yeah, that, I mean, that's the thing. Like These guys seem to be actually like good, legitimate guys who who – you know, you, you want in a Big Ten program that's that's sort of on the up. I mean, and they're all replacing, they're all addressing immediate needs, right? Like Zach Carpenter's replacing Harry Kreider. And if Zach Carpenter's in that original Indiana recruiting class a couple of years ago, I mean, he's, he's I think he's the highest rated offensive lineman in that class. I mean, I think he's higher, rated higher than, 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 than Matthew Bedford, if I remember correctly. I think they were in the same class. But yeah, I mean, he's a guy who Indiana wanted originally, and, and they finally got him, and he's got some talent, played at Michigan a little bit. DJ Matthews, as you mentioned, replaces a Watt Fillier. You know, Stephen Carr, you, you think he can at least replace a chunk of the production of Stevie Scott and some others. And, uh, you know, Ryder Anderson, too. I mean, that's that's a versatile guy who can uh, who's demonstrated he can play at a few different spots on the D-line, you know, in the SEC, no less. And, you know, you're hoping he can maybe give you some type of presence uh, in the pass rush. And, yeah, I just think you know the, the ability to complement your 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 high school recruiting with with impact transfers who who you know really fit what you're trying to do is is really just the way college the college football world works these days. And um, yeah, I, I get I get kind of tired of using the word culture. It's kind of cliche, but it, I mean it also is a real thing. And um, Indiana seems to have a good healthy culture. And when you have that, you can afford to do this and, and bring in guys that are you know willing to work and also able to challenge for. For, for meaningful spots on the team. And it's just, um, yeah, you know, I, I think the way they went about it this off season uh, and, and finding these particular, this particular group of players really, uh, I, I think also is, is just sort of another signal to the overall health of this program. Yeah. It's something you meant, or uh, Tom Allen mentioned, excuse me, that um, this kind of LEO culture is what makes them able to go out and get some of these um, players, some of these transfers to bring in because they're also aware of the culture they're coming into and that they've had to earn their spots as well. So uh, even we mentioned uh, Jaron Handy, even a guy like uh, Jonathan Haynes, who's in that secondary, uh, comes from an SEC school, I believe was a starter for Ole Miss. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's just so much. That's part of the depth building that we talked about is not just getting it on the recruiting trail, but getting it in the transfer portal as well. I just thought it's really interesting how this team has – especially this last offseason, uh, went out and addressed some of those holes they had by um, doing it through the transfer portal instead of necessarily. I mean, you can't really bring in impact freshmen um, through the recruiting trail. And so it, it'll be interesting to see how those guys perform, and it's a test of that culture for Tom Allen. Uh, we mentioned the secondary. When we come back from this break, we will talk a little bit more about one particular player Uh, And then we will discuss the secondary as a whole, which might be IU's uh, strongest position group. So we'll be back in just a moment. There's some things that are just kind of embarrassing to talk about, and sweating's one of them. I mean, there's nothing more embarrassing than being out at a bar or a club 
and having those embarrassing sweat rings under your arms. I've been there. I'm a habitual sweater myself. That's why I have a great product for you guys to talk about. It's called Sweat Block. It's an antiperspirant wipe that's doctor created, doctor recommended. I have used it myself. I was as hesitant as anybody. It's a wipe that is good for seven days, which on the surface, hard to believe, but I promise you, I tried it, put it on uh, Sunday night. All you do is you put it on before bed, let it air out and dry. Next morning, you get up, shower, go about your day. This will last the entire week. I promise you guys. Uh, It sounds too good to be true. I promise it isn't. They even have a dry shirt guarantee. So if it doesn't keep you dry, you'll get your money back. It's been featured on shows, Rachel Ray. It's been on Amazon for 10 years. Um, This is a real product with real results. So if it's something that interests you guys, you can get it today, 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code LOCKEDON, Uh, 20% off sweatblock.com, promo code LOCKEDON. Also, as I mentioned, available at Amazon or CVS as well. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible to find the parts you need at your local auto parts store. So why wait in line for somebody behind the counter to punch into their computer that they don't have the part you need and order it themselves from the warehouse when you can just skip the middleman and do it yourself? Save time and money using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. So go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So one name I've wanted to talk about throughout the preseason, haven't really had the time to, and honestly just kind of made the time today, Reese Taylor to me is a a fascinating player on this defense. Uh, I was looking back today at some of the stuff from uh, his freshman season. I mean, he obviously comes into Indiana as uh, Mr. Football, led Ben Davis as a quarterback to, I believe, the state title, um, and comes in, and they, I don't think they really knew what to do with him entirely in his freshman season. Uh, he played a little running back, played a little wide receiver. I believe he was a team's backup quarterback for the end of the season, and he started the year as a cornerback. Obviously, he has gone to that now, and he's established himself. I mean, this is a a defense Tom Allen wanted or talked about wanting to be top 10 this year, and he's going to be the starting cornerback. What have you, I mean, what do you just think of kind of the trail he's been on to get to this point? Yeah, you talked about sort of the winding road that he found himself on early on in his career, sort of going back and forth, I think a couple times, like you mentioned, from defense to offense, back to defense. I give a lot of credit to to both the staff and to Reese Taylor uh, because there, there was a point when they basically, you know, said to him and made the case like, look, if if you want to go to the league, uh, your best chance to do so is going to be on defense. It's going to be as a corner. Um, you know, they, they gave him options. They certainly let him play offense. And, and, you know, obviously there was also a point when they just needed him on offense. They needed they needed a guy back there, uh, you know, being a quarterback. 
Um, and you know, they, they tried him in a bunch of different spots, but I, I think they, I think a lot, I think it was smart the way all parties involved handled it and basically seeing that a, there was a need for him on defense, uh, and B, just the willingness to do that on, on his part, to go play that side of the ball. It's, it's you know, it, it's not always the easiest thing maybe to, to give up those opportunities to get touches. Um, but, you know, again, I, I think that the staff deserves credit for for showing him a path on that side of the ball and he deserves credit for taking it. Um, and, you know, it's 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 interesting, you know, I and I don't mean this as a slight. It, it's almost easy to forget about mm-hmm. him sometimes because you look at some of the guys who were back there in that secondary, particularly last year when you had, you know, Taiwan Mullins, an All-American, you know, Jamar Johnson's an NFL guy, you know, uh, uh, Jalen Williams, you know, he, he's got the interception numbers. Uh, but but with Reese Taylor, you just have a steady guy, an athlete who's back there. And I mean, he nearly had a pick six in the bowl game. I mean, that would have boosted his profile, you know, all the more. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's weird because you're right. I mean, he's he's been such a, a solid player for them, a versatile player who's appeared in all three phases. And uh, yet it's, it's, all, it's almost easy to forget about him sometimes just because of the talent IU's amassed, you know, in that defensive back. He backfield. came to IU that 2018 class. Uh, he was listed as an athlete. Uh, it's funny looking at his kind of sports reference stat page. Uh, the position they listed him as under his freshman year was just UT. I assume utility because he was just, he was everywhere. He had um, 257 yards offensively from scrimmage. Uh, but yeah, he's he's certainly uh, worked himself into uh, even before this year just a steady role in that secondary. We talked about how much they rotate through uh, bodies, and he was one of those guys last year, and has really nailed down a spot now um, in that secondary. Do you think this will? I mean, do you think this kind of boosts the coaching staffs? kind of profile, I guess, or reputation on the recruiting trail when they go after some of these athlete recruits, they can look at them and say, look, we turned a guy like Reese Taylor into a starting cornerback for possibly the most talented team the Hoosiers have had. I think it's a great question. It's an, it's an interesting thought. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure if Taylor specifically might move the needle on the recruiting trail. Maybe he does. I'm not sure. I, I, I do think that when, you are pitching recruits, uh, particularly versatile guys that could line up in a couple different spots. Um, I think you can probably point to just the overall player development the program has demonstrated. I mean, it's it's honestly really, really cool to see guys like Ty Freifogel and Micah McFadden turn into the players they are. Uh, then, then, I mean, you can just start naming guys off in the defensive backfield and talking about individual cases of player development. There's, um, I think there's just a lot for Indiana to be able to, to be able to sell right now, just as far as, you know, its ability to put guys in positions to succeed. Um, You know, that's the cool thing. You know, it's not just Reese Taylor. It's a lot of different guys on both sides of the ball. Um, And again, I, I, you know, I I think that's a real testament to the type of just behind the scenes strength program, you know, the development program, the teaching points that the program has emphasized uh, that, you know, they have multiple guys that, that you can name as far as guys who maybe weren't the highest ranked recruits or, you know, in, in the case like, Micah McFadden was, you know, barely even on the recruiting radar of, you know, the major scouting services, guys who came to Indiana and, and developed into all Americans. It's, 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 it's frankly incredible. And I never thought we'd be having this conversation. So yeah, there, I think there are a bunch of different guys you could point to it and, and Taylor. Yeah, won. that, that was the name I was going to point out looking at this 2018 class that Taylor was a part of the lowest ranked guy on it is Micah McFadden. 
And you have a whole bunch of names on here. Jamar Johnson, who we just mentioned. Um, all these guys, three-star recruits. Jalen Williams, um, Reese Taylor, Penix obviously is in that group as well. So, uh, yeah, that, that's a very fair point. Just the, the player development that this program has had. Uh, and, I mean, we're seeing kind of the dividends of that. The recruiting classes are getting better and better each season. And right now they have, uh, they're on track for their best recruiting class ever. So uh, they certainly are paying some sort of dividends, uh, no matter how you kind of slice it up and look at it. Uh, kind of going broader with this, with Reese Taylor in this secondary. Um, I mean, we mentioned how much talent that this, this secondary has. Taiwan Mullen, we've talked a lot about. Obviously, All-American. Marcelino Ball has been uh, great for his entire time at IU that he's been on the field. Uh, you have a guy like Devin Matthews, Bryant Fitzgerald. I mean, Jonathan Haynes, we mentioned, he was a starter in an SEC team last year and comes in and is listed as the third string safety on uh, week one. Uh, t- is this the, the strongest position group Indiana has uh, this season? I think so. I think so. And yeah, I think you could probably argue a couple different places, but for me, it's, it's gotta be the second, <clears throat> it's gotta be the secondary, particularly just because what, you know, the importance of that unit in, in today's game. I mean, and, and really when you, when you look at it, it, what, what jumps out is the athleticism, the speed, um, you know, particularly because, you know, so much of what IU has liked to do has, has been to confuse offenses, you know, creating moments of havoc, whether it's, you know, back in the secondary or up at the line of scrimmage with, with some of the blitzing that those guys are asked to do. Uh, I, I just think the ability to quickly react and, um, you know, do the things that they're able to do is just so markedly different from, you know, what we've seen over the years. I mean, just being able to, I guess, not only develop that and and, and harness some of that athleticism, but, uh, you know, also recruit guys that, that they think can, can fit some of the things they want to do. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it, you know, you've probably been watching Indiana football longer than I have, but even going back, you know, we're not even talking a decade ago, just a few years ago. I mean, it was just, that was the position where you're just like, all right, I don't see how they get better at this. I mean, cause it's hard to recruit. It's hard to recruit to the secondary because everyone is trying to recruit to the secondary. It's just how you, it's how you got to win. You know, it's how you got to win on defense now. Um, but just, I think through the coaching philosophies that, that they've, that they've implemented on defense, uh, through the player development angle, which we've sort of touched on, um, it's it's it is so remarkable what they've been able to do with that secondary and produce guys who are able to create takeaways, create pressure, uh, you know, cover up some of the uh, maybe some of the weaker spots of that defense just because of the athleticism and, and the capabilities that those guys have. I mean, it's 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 pretty incredible what what that unit is able to do back there with you know with some of the the safeties in the corners. So yeah, for me that is that is the the most impressive, the biggest strength that that team seems to have going. Yeah, there were some seasons during even as recent as the the Kevin Wilson area where that secondary getting torched week in and week out. Uh, I mean, that's what leads us to the, to the chaos team moniker and the, the having to win shootouts repeatedly. (laughs) So yeah. And especially with IU, as you mentioned, uh, such a big part of the defense Tom Allen uses, there's basically five, players from the secondary on the field at all times, counting that Husky position. Uh, so it's incredibly important to not just have talent, but depth. Uh, and that that's something that it's taken them a long time to get. Uh, you need a ton of uh, able and capable bodies to 
get out there on the field so there isn't that drop off we talked about um and it to me it's just a testament to what this uh coaching staff has been able to do both recruiting again recruiting and player development that they're able to um get enough guys out there um, both starting and rotate through uh, to perform at a high level because yeah uh, to me I, I mentioned it but seeing a guy like Jonathan Haynes who's a, a starting SEC uh, safety for multiple years at Ole Miss come in and be a third string I mean I'm sure he's still learning maybe he'll probably see a lot of time on the field anyway uh, but that just kind of shows what type of depth this team has because uh, not too long ago, if you had a safety transfer in from Ole Miss, um, he'd be one of the star players in that secondary for the Hoosiers. Uh, we will flip to the other side and talk a little bit of offense and then look a little bit at uh, this Iowa game um, here in our final segment here in just a minute. It's that time of year again where all eyes are turning to the gridiron as football teams are taking the field. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Head to the website and or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus with promo code LOCKEDON. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo where you can make a bet on Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Bucks and Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and use promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So one other, I don't even know that it's too uh, newsworthy, but basically confirmed that Michael Penix would be the starter week one and that he's fully healthy and ready. Um, how, I, this was a question I had in Monday's episode. Um, just how long it's going to take him to really be back from injury. I know that they talked during fall camp that Tom Allen's had a quick whistle with him to make sure he has, he doesn't take any hits. Um, I mean, how long do you think it's going to really take him to shake off some of this rust that he's inevitably going to have in game one? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a fair question. You know, I, I would say, you know, he, he has been around, he has, you know, time on task as, as Kevin Wilson used to say, he's got banked reps uh, in his body, you know, granted he hasn't played a full season yet, but you know, he, he's, he's been through it at least, you know, he's, he's played, he's been in the system for a few years. So, um, you know, it, it feels like at least, you know, the curve to getting back is, is maybe lessened a bit, uh, from that perspective. But yeah, I think it's fair to wonder exactly where he is. I mean, he hasn't, you know, played in a football game in, uh, you know, what, 10 months or so. And, uh, you know, just, you know, you also, you know, I, I do wonder, and I, I don't know how you measure this in any way, and I'm not even sure you can, but, uh, you know, I do wonder just about, like, for him knowing that, you know, he hasn't played a full season, knowing that, you know, he, he's been injured a lot. He's, he's been prone to injury. I mean, d- does that weigh on him at all? D- does that, does that you, know, you know, take away from how he's able to react in the moment? I mean, is, is there any sort of mental hurdle that he's going to have to clear? I don't think anyone can really answer that, uh, even him right now. Uh, but, you know, it, it's it's a fair question to ask just because it is, you know, it, it is one of the questions wrapped inside the biggest question of the season for Indiana is can Michael Penix stay healthy? Uh, so I, I'm not sure, but I, I think it's 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 something to kind of keep an eye on, especially not only this weekend, but, you know, moving forward over these first couple games, because this is just such a you know, daunting opening stretch for the team. But, yeah, I mean, I think it could be fair to expect, you know, a 
you know, a, a couple of, you know, just, you know, a, a slower ramp up than, than maybe you'd see otherwise, just given what he's coming back from and, and just the, you know, the state of things as he uh, gets back into action. Yeah. It's that it, it's a tough team to have to ramp up against uh, this Iowa team, which we'll talk about here in a second, but uh, it would certainly be a lot nicer if they were playing the Western Kentucky or the Idaho in the week one um, and not a, high-quality Big Ten team on the road. Uh, those banked reps will certainly be a big factor and hopefully a quick uh, shaking off of the rust. Um, it's also going to be interesting as well because another theme I've kind of talked about with this with this team is just dealing with the expectations. And uh, to your point a bit, I'm not sure anybody has more expectations uh, on them individually than Michael Penix. Uh I mean, having listened to him talk and whatnot, I mean, what's your sense on how he's going to handle those expectations this season? I, I would have confidence in him. And I really would. And I think why I would have confidence is because the team has, you know, consistently demonstrated confidence in him. There was just, um, you know, these last couple of years when, when he's been on the field, it just looks, I mean, it, beyond just the production in terms of catches and receptions and yards and whatever, I mean, the, the guys just have always seemed to respond to him when he when he's on the field. And that's just, you know, that's something that, um, you know, has just, again, I don't know how you measure it, um, but it just, you know, from watching the team, from, from seeing how things are operating when he is the guy, it just seems like it's an offense that really responds to him, responds to his his ability to really just sling it around the yard, his, his ability to command the huddle. All those things that are, you know, a little bit, you know, we're, we're sort of veering into intangibles here. But I, I just think there's a general confidence, a general belief in Michael Penix in that locker room, in that huddle. Uh, and so I feel like if if those guys are responding to him, then I think, uh, you know, we as observers should should take notice of that. I think that, again, this is a guy who, who has commanded the respect of that team and has fed the belief of that team in that offense in such a way that I, I think that. Um, you know, if this team is going to believe in him, then then certainly I think that, you know, he he has that capability to to respond and, and carry the burden that, that he'll carry this year as, you know, not only the leader of this team, but, you know, one of the best potentially one of the best quarterbacks in the country. If, you know, you know, if all things you know go according to plan. Yeah, I, I still remember back to his freshman year uh, when there was just a different feel when he stepped onto the, the field. And you just, yeah, I, it's really hard to quantify again, as you said, it kind of gets into intangibles. Uh, it didn't, there was, wasn't really a way to explain it because statistically, um, he wasn't like markedly better than, uh, anyone else or whoever he was replacing. Uh, I believe it was, uh, Peyton Ramsey back then. So it was, it was just a feel that the team had that, uh, that that's a that's a great point because it wasn't one I I had thought about this the team seems to respond to him a lot more so uh, I hopefully um, I, I've said it a couple times I use kind of ceiling depends on how good Penix will be which makes him kind of shaking off that rust to get back to the, the latter point uh, really important uh, really quickly because this is an Iowa team that the Hoosiers have struggled with they're always one of the better teams in the Big Ten um, over the last or dating back to 2008. They haven't played them every year, but I use only one one game back in 2012. A game started at 
Uh, well, I'm, actually, I'm not sure if he started. Cam Kaufman was a leading passer in that game. Uh, I believe Nate Sudfeld might have gotten hurt, and Cam Kaufman came in. Uh, but it's been a long time since the Hoosiers have been uh, successful against the Hawkeyes. Uh, I guess what's just your sense going into this game of of how this one might play out? You mentioned that that 20, I, 2012 game, I think you said. It, that um, got, I just like got a shiver just thinking about it. That was like an awful day in Bloomington. It was like 40 degrees and rainy. And uh, yeah, it was just part of that, you know, with that weird 2012 season where IU had like 18 mm-hmm. quarterbacks. You know, the start of a trend, um, which again was, you know, furthered in that 2014 game when Nate Sudfeld, you know, destroys his shoulder at Kinnick and Chris Covington comes in and tears his ACL. And then, you know, we get Xander for the second half of the season. Um, so yeah, some, oh gosh, now I'm thinking, man, I just had some pretty gnarly history. Yeah. I mean, and then that's not even talking about the, I'm trying to think 2010 game, I think where, uh, DeMarlo Belcher dropped the touchdown to, for the upset in the end zone. (laughs) Oh boy. Oh, what are we doing? (laughs) We're going down a, um, no, I, I, you know, looking at, I, it, it feels like this is going to be, um, I, I guess if things go according to plan for them, you know, a, a typical Iowa football team, you know, they should be able to run it, uh, which I think is going to put a huge focus on, you know, this sort of new look IU defensive line, you know, very early in this season. Um, but then again, I mean, there's, there's some inexperience up front for Iowa and that's, that's on both sides of the line of scrimmage, really. I mean, they're replacing some, you know, pretty significant spots on the offensive line. Granted, they have one of the best centers in the country. Uh, however, I mean, there are some guys who are going to be working into the mix this year. Uh, I think the same goes on defensive line. You know, maybe don't quote me on that, uh, but there there does seem to be some you know replacements you know coming into the fold this year for Iowa. Uh, so I just I think it'll be really interesting. I mean, how much how much do you trust that uh, you know the the Iowa machine will be capable of churning out replacements in spots where the program has traditionally thrived? You know, meaning both the offensive and defensive lines. Uh, how much do you trust that that IU is as good as we think they are? And and I think they're legitimately good. Um, and I haven't even touched on, you know, Spencer Petras, who, I mean, I, you know, I just, I didn't watch a ton of Iowa last year, but in the, from what I saw, I, I wasn't, I wasn't blown away. Uh, I'll just <laughs> leave it at that. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't, it, and, and, you know, first games are always squirrely and you're going into, uh, uh, you know, arguably one of the tougher environments in the big 10 in Kinnick, it's, you know, incredible game day atmosphere. And, you know, they'll be really hyped and excited for this one for a number of reasons. So. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard to say, it's hard to say. And I, I haven't, I, I've gone both ways on this game already, you know, in, in, in the, the written word, I have already like written that Iowa would, would win or, I, you know, I would, I, I've gone, I've gone back and forth on this. And, uh, but you know, the, as, as we get closer, as I really think about it, um, and, and maybe it is just sort of the hype of this season catching up to me, I I'm, I'm leaning toward IU and I, I think Vegas, I mean, it's what only, I think the, it opened at what, three and a half, mm-hmm. three. So, I mean, that, that tells you a lot right there uh, that, you know, I, I think that that certainly this will be a, an interesting competitive game. And uh, the more I think about it, the, the, the more I, I'm, I'm leaning toward IU with, you know, maybe by a touchdown. Yeah. in in some senses, we talked about it being not an ideal start uh, for Penix, but they are Iowa is replacing players on both sides of the ball. So getting them in week one when they may not be able to get those guys the reps quickly you said kind of build that machine up a bit um might might be for the Hoosiers benefit it's as I said uh 
Uh, I talked about that a bit yesterday. It's going to be a, an early test for both sides of the line and a potential kind of statement um, moment for both sides of the line if they can if they can come out and perform well. I mean, the, the adage goes a game's one in the trenches, and I think that'll be a big area to watch. Uh, right now, the line's been moving a bit. I, I, I believe the first I saw it in this summer, it was Iowa by four. It had went down to Iowa by three yesterday, which I believe the home team generally gets three points, so pretty much a toss-up on a neutral field, and then it's up to three and a half. So, yeah, I mean, Vegas predicts this to be um, right there to evenly match teams, so uh, it'll it's certainly set up to be a fun game. Early test for IU to figure out uh, what version we get of IU, whether it's the one fans that I'm unfortunately known for too long or this new version with Tom Allen, which I'm kind of with you. The more I've thought about it, the more I'm leaning that way um, toward IU winning this game and, and starting out 1-0. I'm hopeful, which is a weird feeling for for uh, for <laughs> IU. It's, uh, it's usually blind optimism that I'm heading into the season with, and now it feels like rational optimism uh, with this Hoosier team. So, uh, Mike, I appreciate a ton you coming on to talk about the Hoosiers today. Um, and we will potentially later in the year see if you uh, you want to come back on, depending on how the season goes and whether we want to keep talking about IU football. We might turn into a uh, an IU men's soccer podcast uh, if this goes to awry. But thanks a ton for coming on today. Absolutely. My pleasure to, to come on and, and, and talk it up with you. This yeah. was fun. So. Uh, we will be back later this week. We will uh, be doing a crossover podcast with Locked on Hawkeyes. We'll have some more information throughout this week. Um, as always, you guys can find us wherever you guys listen to your favorite podcasts. Leave a rating and review if you can. Uh, so for Mike, this is Jacob signing off. Have a great one, everyone.